I'm Tiana Jay, the founder of the Humanitarian Changemakers Network. And I'm Lachlan, here to ask some interesting questions. Welcome, Welcome to, to Changemaker, Changemaker Q&A. With the rise of fake news, divisive politics, and growing insecurity created by social and economic inequality, we are often left with a media landscape dominated by dismal perspectives of the world. Young people need to learn about examples of positive change. Identifying potential solutions to global challenges is key to our public dialogue. As a solutions media podcast, we dive deep into current affairs and events, answer any questions you have about social change, and share stories and insights from young people and organisations active in the social change space. But before we begin, we would like to acknowledge and thank Australia's traditional owners and custodians for their continued care and protection of our land and waterways. We pay our respect to all elders past, present and emerging, and look to you for guidance as leaders of social justice. Now on to today's episode. Welcome back to Changemaker Q&A, everybody. Today's episode, we are doing a deep dive into one of the most pressing issues currently facing humanity. And we're going to be talking about why the climate crisis is actually a human rights issue. I'm sure you are familiar with what climate change is. We know that the planet's climate has constantly been changing throughout geological history and time, with significant fluctuations of global average temperatures. However, the current period that we are in is occurring more rapidly than ever before. It's become very clear from the science that humanity has caused most of the last century's warming by releasing heat-trapping gases, most commonly referred to as greenhouse gases, to power our modern lives. We're doing this by burning fossil fuels through agriculture and land use and other activities that drive climate change. Greenhouse gases are now at the highest levels that they have ever been over the last 800,000 years. And this rapid rise is causing a problem because it is changing our climate at a rate that is far too fast for living things to adapt to. Now, climate change is obviously more than just about rising temperatures. There's also extreme weather events that come with this, rising sea levels, shifting wildlife populations and habitats, and a range of other impacts to the natural world and to humans. There is an overwhelming scientific consensus that climate change and global warming is mostly man-made, with 97% of climate scientists coming to this conclusion. Now, the IPCC has warned that in order to avoid catastrophic global warming, we must not surpass the 1.5 degree Celsius above pre-industrial levels mark. Now, all of this information probably makes you think, Tiana, this sounds like an environmental catastrophe, but what does it have to do with human rights? Well, like most intersectional global challenges, the issue of climate change is directly linked to many of our human rights. One of these is our right to life. We all have the right to life and to live in freedom and safety. But climate change is threatening the safety of billions of people on our planet. The most obvious example of this is through extreme weather-related events like storms, floods and wildfires as well as other less visible ways that climate change threatens our lives. The World Health Organization actually predicts that climate change will cause 250,000 deaths per year between the years 2030 and 2050 due to malaria, malnutrition, diarrhea, or heat stress. Another human right we have is our right to health. 
We all have the right to enjoy the highest attainable standard of physical and mental health. And according to the IPCC, the major health impacts of climate change are going to include greater risk of injury, disease and death due to more intense heat waves and fires and increased risk risk of undernutrition as a result of diminished food production in regions and increased risks of food and waterborne diseases or vector-borne diseases. Children who are exposed to traumatic events like natural disasters, which will only be exacerbated by climate change, will suffer from post-traumatic stress disorders. The health impacts of climate change really do demand an urgent response, with unmitigated warming threatening to undermine many of the health systems and core global health objectives that we have. Another right is our right to housing. We all have the right to an adequate standard of living for ourselves and our families, including adequate housing. However, climate change threatens our right to housing in a number of ways. Extreme weather events like floods and wildfires are already destroying people's homes, leaving them displaced. Drought, erosion and flooding over time can also change the environment, whilst rising sea levels are threatening some of the homes of millions of people around the world who live in low-lying territories. Finally, it, there's our right to water and sanitation. We all have the right to safe water for personal and domestic use and sanitation that ensures we stay healthy. There are, however, a combination of factors such as melting snow and ice, reduced rainfall, higher temperatures and rising sea levels, which show that climate change is affecting and will continue to affect the quality and quantity of water resources that we can access. Already, more than 1 billion people around the world do not have access to clean water, and climate change will make this worse. Extreme weather events like cyclones and floods affect water and sanitation infrastructure, leaving behind contaminated water, thus contributing to the spread of waterborne diseases. Another issue, especially in urban areas, is that our sewerage systems will be affected. It's clear that the climate crisis is only going to exacerbate existing inequalities and injustices around the world, particularly because the effects of climate change are likely to be much more profound for certain groups of people. Some examples of groups for people who will be disproportionately affected by the impacts of climate change include those people in developed versus developing nations. At an international level, people in low-lying small island states and less developed countries will be and already are amongst the worst affected. There will also be more inequalities between different ethnicities and classes because the effects of climate change and fossil fuel related pollution is also going to run along ethnicity and class lines. We know that Indigenous peoples are amongst some of the most impacted communities from climate change. They often live in marginal lands and fragile ecosystems, which are particularly sensitive to alterations in the physical environment. Many of them also maintain a really close connection with nature and their traditional lands on which their livelihoods and cultural identity depend. We're also going to see more disparities between genders. Women and girls around the world are disproportionately affected by climate change, and this is reflecting the fact that they are more likely in many countries to be marginalised and disadvantaged. This means that they're going to be more vulnerable to the impacts of climate-related events, as they are less able to protect themselves against it and may find it harder to recover. We're also going to see more inequality between generations, with future generations experiencing the worsening effects of climate change unless action is taken now. 
Children and young people around the world are already suffering due to their specific metabolism, physiological and developmental needs. This means, for example, that the forced displacement experienced by communities impacting a whole range of rights from water, sanitation and food to adequate housing, health, education and development is likely to be particularly harmful towards children. So with all of this said, it is probably no doubt that it is increasingly more evident that climate change is not just an environmental issue, but it is a human rights issue. This is where climate justice comes in. Climate justice is a way of looking at the climate crisis in a very intersectional way that makes sure we're paying attention to the ways in which climate change affects not only different populations of people, but also the ways in which we engage people in addressing climate change. This episode of Changemaker Q&A is brought to you by Changemaker Co. Changemaker Collective is a catalyst for young people to live out the motto, tell the world how much you care without saying anything. From iron-on patches for changemakers to upcycle their existing clothes into statement pieces, sustainably and ethically sourced gifts and clothing for changemakers, and community craftivism projects, there's something for everyone. Using a redistributive social enterprise business model, 100% of the profits from Changemaker Co. funds the impact work of the Humanitarian Changemakers Network. Just head to changemakercollective.net for more. Now, when it comes to actually addressing the climate crisis, there are two different types of measures that need to be taken. Firstly is climate change mitigation, and secondly is climate change adaptation. Mitigation measures are basically actions that are taken to reduce and curb greenhouse gas emissions, while adaptation measures are those that seek to reduce the effects of climate change. So mitigation is basically attending to the causes of climate change, while adaptation is addressing the impacts of climate change. Now, both climate change adaptation and climate change mitigation are extremely important. If you've read our social change handbook, The Changemaker in You, you're probably familiar with an analogy that I really like to use. Uh, And this is the analogy of a burning house or a house that is caught on fire. Now, if your house was caught on fire, what do you think would be most important? Saving people who are trapped inside the house or trying to stop the spread of the fire and put out the fire so that it doesn't get worse and continue on to neighboring houses? Hopefully, when you think about it, you think that both are equally important. It's just as important to save those who are immediately at risk inside the house as it is to address the root cause of the issue so that it doesn't get worse and put more people at risk. And this is why it's equally as important to mitigate climate change as it is to adapt to climate change. If you're active in the activism space, you would probably know why activism is so important. We really do need to see institutional changes in policy and legislation to address many of the root causes of climate change. Most of the time, decision makers aren't going to make changes in policy and legislation unless there is extreme pressure on them to do so, which is why activists like us utilizing grassroots campaigning and organizing tactics to influence these decision makers is so crucial. However, any activism efforts really must be strategic and go hand in hand with any humanitarian efforts. It's crucial that those who are advocating and campaigning to mitigate climate change are also listening to the voices of those who are already affected by climate change and working together to ensure everyone's needs are met. 
For people who are on the front lines of climate change, like members of our neighbours in the Pacific Islands, climate action and climate adaptation is crucial. Often the conditions for these communities aren't just going to change because we eventually see there's been changes in our legislation or policy. What they really need is service provision, community development projects and humanitarian interventions that will work directly with the people who are affected by climate change to improve the conditions for their communities who have already been affected by the implications of climate change. Something that I think it's really important to think about and consider when we're discussing climate justice is the fact that I think it's really great to see environmental organisations that are throwing so many resources into the fight for climate justice, but we need to think about whose voices we're really centering in these conversations. Our Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander peoples have been fighting this fight for hundreds of years. As a mainstream climate change movement, how can we find ways to learn from Indigenous peoples and further support them? The climate movement is often criticised as being quite a white space. And moving forward, I really do think that we need to think about how Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander peoples are leading this fight for climate justice here in Australia and how we can all work to centre the narrative, particularly in the mainstream media, around their stories and the work that they've been doing. It's great to have public figures like Greta Thunberg, who have done an excellent job at empowering young people to take action on climate change. But in the context of Australia, I think it's fair to assume that idolising figures like this, when it's at the expense of our Indigenous youth, it's really doing an injustice for those who are at the forefront of climate action here in Australia. If we are engaging in climate activism, I think we also need to ensure that we're avoiding any kind of tokenism or victimization and really ensuring that we are creating a truly inclusive space. I think there tends to be a bit of a media blackout when it comes to shining a light on the work of Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander peoples and change makers. And so we need to think about how we can work to drive the focus away from predominantly white voices. As changemakers, it's our responsibility to ensure that we're keeping the conversations about climate justice and climate change going. It's important that we make sure there is accurate information being circulated about the issue, that there is adequate pressure put on our governments and big corporations in order to actually make changes and implement policy and legislation that will mitigate climate change, and also help those who are impacted by the climate crisis adapt to the effects of climate change. So whether it's through how advocacy, activism, conversations for change or humanitarian work, what we really need to be doing is focusing our efforts on two main actors. These are governments and big corporations. Now, governments and states have the obligation to mitigate the harmful effects of climate change by taking the most ambitious measures that they can to prevent or reduce greenhouse gas emissions within the shortest possible time frame. It's important that wealthy states like Australia do lead the way, both internally and through international cooperation. But all countries really do need to take responsible steps to reduce emissions to the full extent of their abilities. Governments also have to make sure that they're taking the necessary steps to ensure that everybody within their jurisdiction is able to adapt to the, to the foreseeable and unavoidable effects of climate change, thus minimising any impact of climate change on people's human rights. 
Similarly, big corporations and businesses have a huge responsibility to respect human rights and adapt to climate change or mitigate climate change. In order to meet this responsibility, we need to make sure that we're putting pressure on these companies to assess the potential effects of any of their activities on the climate and human rights and put in place measures that will prevent any negative impacts. We need to make sure that any findings and any prevention measures that they have are made public so that we can hold them accountable. Corporations, and particularly fossil fuel companies, must also immediately put measures in place to minimise the greenhouse gas emissions that they're contributing, including shifting their portfolios towards more renewable energy and making any information about their emissions and mitigation efforts public. These efforts need to extend to all of their major subsidiaries, affiliates and entities in their supply chain. Fossil fuel companies have historically been amongst the most responsible for climate change, and this continues today. So I really hope this episode has given you a really good breakdown of why climate change and the climate crisis really is a human rights issue. We have previous episodes where we've looked at some really solutions-focused and practical ways that you can actually take action as an individual and as change makers to address the climate crisis, we have episodes with tips on living plant-based and low waste for the planet. We have an episode all about shifting public opinion on climate change that came after the latest IPCC report was released. And keep an eye or ear out for upcoming episodes because we are going to be interviewing some incredible change makers and experts all about climate change communication and climate crisis and climate justice interventions. Thank you so much for tuning in to this episode of Changemaker Q&A. If you have a question about changing the world that you'd like me to answer, just head to humanitarianchangemakers.net forward slash podcast. If you enjoy the show, we'd really appreciate it if you'd leave us a review so that we can get the word out and equip and empower as many young people as we can to change the world. The Humanitarian Changemakers Network is a solutions media and education platform, so feel free to head to our website for plenty more news and resources to help you make change happen.